0: They say markets work a certain way. They say if you want high returns, you have to accept higher risks. Cox Automotive says you take the upside, we'll take the risk. Introducing Upside by Cox Automotive, the all-new way to wholesale that turns that old wisdom upside down. Visit taketheupside.com to learn more.
1: Welcome to Daily Drive. For Wednesday, November 30th, 2022,
2: I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Stellantis works to ease dealerships into its ambitious EV rollout. Renault and Nissan clear their calendars for a potential deal, and the CEO of battery startup Solid Power steps down. Plus, a conversation with JB Straubel, the former chief technical officer for Tesla and CEO of Redwood Materials, which plans to supply recycled EV battery materials to Panasonic's new plant in Kansas. This you know, represents,
3: uh, I'd say, the, the biggest North American battery supply chain deal
1: so far. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis is evaluating dealers for chargers, sales help, and other needs as it looks to ease the transition toward electric vehicles. But the automaker has no plans to specify dollar amounts that dealers will need to invest, such as General Motors and Ford have done. The automaker has partnered with Future Energy, which advises dealerships on how to set up charging infrastructure and can train employees on operational changes related to EVs and sales strategies. The evaluations are happening ahead of Stellantis' planned launch of more than 25 EVs in the U.S. by 2030. The company's head of North American Network Development, Phil Langley, says it's aiming for dealers to have their charging infrastructure installed by
2: the first quarter of 2024. Renault and Nissan could announce a deal on a restructured alliance as early as next month. Three people with knowledge of the talks tell Reuters that the two automakers are still negotiating terms. Renault chairman Jean-Dominique Senard said on Tuesday that he was confident the French automaker and Nissan would be able to reach an agreement over a restructured partnership as Renault looks to carve out its electric vehicle business. The companies have said that Renault is looking for Nissan to invest in its EV business, codename Ampere. At the same time, Nissan has been looking for Renault to sell off some of its roughly 43% stake in Nissan that would put the two partners on a more equal footing.
1: Solid Power says its chief executive officer, Doug Campbell, is stepping down. The solid state battery startup went public last year in a reverse merger with a special purpose acquisition company. It has an agreement to test its battery cells with Ford and BMW, both of which have invested in the company. Campbell noted on the company's third quarter earnings call earlier this month that while it had delivered sample cells to Ford and BMW on schedule, a tight labor market and quality issues with some of its commodity materials had put a strain on its plans. Campbell, who co-founded the startup in 2011, is relinquishing his board seat as well, but he says he'll remain a significant shareholder in the company. Solid Power says its board-appointed president, David Jansen, will serve as interim CEO while it searches for
2: Campbell's permanent replacement. And Volkswagen is no longer the top-selling brand in China. In the first four weeks of November, BYD took that spot. In a reversal that highlights the pressure on legacy brands in the world's largest auto market. Retail sales for BYD rose by 83% during that period compared with the same time last year, according to data from China Merchants Bank International. BYD's tally was higher than VW's retail sales and Toyota's, which each slipped by less than 1%. However, VW Group still outsold BYD When you include Audi brand sales, if the retail sales trend holds for the full month, it would be the first time that BYD, which only began making cars in 2003, has topped the sales charts in China. And it would be the first time a company with a lineup of plug-in hybrids and full electric vehicles has led the charts. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, solid power is getting backed by BMW and Ford. Will they get stuck with the bill? You know, it's it's not
1: clear yet if this is going to go kind of like Ford's deal with VW supporting Argo AI, the AV company that collapsed uh, recently. You know, the stock is down 20% today. It's trading for less than $4 a share when a year ago it was in the double digits. So it doesn't look good. I mean, clearly Campbell has lost the confidence of the board. So we'll see, you know, what they can do to get the company back on track. Interesting.
2: Uh, coming up, We'll hear from Redwood Materials founder and CEO, J.B. Straubel, about the battery recycling company's landmark deal with Panasonic. That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Some dealers say it's not worth taking a trade they won't retail. They say if it doesn't fit their brand, they'd rather pass. Cox Automotive says now you can easily see the profit in any trade and never risk losing that new customer. Introducing Upside by Cox Automotive, the only way to wholesale that turns that old wisdom upside down. Every vehicle you place in the Upside Digital Auction is backed by our guaranteed minimum price, so you never risk a loss. And when a vehicle sells for more than our guarantee, you keep the lion's share of the Upside. It's a -a one-of-a-kind auction that gives you an alternative to accepting wholesale losses, and it's built on the principles of the country's top performing wholesale sellers, so your vehicles have the best possible chance to get bids and get bought. Dealers taking advantage of Upside's game-changing policies are already saying yes to more trades and making more money, all while never risking a loss. Sound too good to be true? Visit taketheupside.com now to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. In 2017, Tesla's then Chief Technical Officer, J.B. Straubel, formed a new battery recycling startup, Redwood Materials. The company says the U.S. could lose more than $100 billion if it continues to import more than 2 million metric tons of cathode through 2030 that are needed to keep pace with the move toward EVs. This month, Redwood announced that it will provide cathode material for a giant factory that Panasonic Energy is building in Kansas. The deal represents the first time the material will be made on such a large scale in the U.S., Straubel recently spoke with our own Pete Bigelow about the deal on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation.
4: Big news with Redwood signing an agreement with Panasonic, which you have a longstanding relationship with, provide recycled battery material for their new EV battery plant in Kansas. Uh, Kick this off by telling us about the the scope of this new agreement.
3: Well, it's a a really exciting one. It's a huge deal for us. you know, as you said, Panasonic has been a long-standing partner of ours quite a few years. Um, you know, we, we've still and started with recycling some, some production scrap material from them at their gigafactory in Nevada. And this really expands that relationship to close the loop on those same materials with redwood uh, remanufacturing cathode material uh, to feed most of those elements back to them in the form of cathode material for that Kansas factory. You asked about the scope of this deal. Um, You know, it's a massive deal. This is a multi-billion-dollar deal over uh, several years. Um, It's a contractual commitment on on both of our parts. So you know, we're we're going to be you know working together arm in arm to to make this possible
4: and to make it happen. JB, what's the significance of this agreement? There's a lot of milestones at play here as well.
3: Yeah, good good point. Um, I'd
4: say one of the most significant
3: parts is that this you know represents uh, I'd say the the biggest North American Battery supply chain deal so far. Uh, there will be many more. Uh, there have to be. But this is, uh, I'd say, the the largest and the, the first gigafactory scale supply chain deal. Um, you know, it also represents, as I said, a, a, a true closed loop example. You know, we've there's been a lot of talk of closed loop supply chains. It, it feels almost uh, like a buzzword these days. Uh, but I but I'm really proud that this is, you know, implementing that. It's demonstrating that. And you know, moving these these same critical metal atoms, nickel, cobalt, copper, back to Panasonic in the form of products.
4: What has been the, the complication to this point in creating this closed loop supply chain? And why has cathode not been produced at this scale before?
3: <laughs> well, it, it, it's really hard. Um, it's surprisingly technically hard. You know, it's, it's, I'd say, even shocked me. And I, I've spent my whole career in, in technology and building difficult things. And there, there's a lot of steps to it. Uh, I think conceptually, it seems maybe straightforward. You take an old product, you, you make it into a new, it's circular. But the, the actual steps that are involved along the way encompass almost everything that, that mining has to do and that refining, metals refining companies have to do. And then also the manufacturing companies have to do. So we're kind of blending three different companies' typical scope into one thing, to one entity, in order to close that loop, all the way from a, a, an old product at its end of life, collected, recycled, refined, and then remanufactured and delivered back to a cell manufacturer.
4: What is the typical supply chain footprint of that mining, refining, remanufacture, and how do you, how do you kind of shrink that down?
3: Well, today that that footprint uh, sprawls all over the planet. Um, you know, these ma- materials are typically mined in, in pretty far away regions, you know, whether it's, you know, Australia or the Congo or Indonesia. Um, you know, then they're moved, you know, to usually parts of Asia where they're refined very often in China. And then after refining, they, they get manufactured into those battery materials, also typically in Asia, China, Korea, Japan. Then they move again all the way halfway around the planet to wherever the cell manufacturing takes place. So it's, it's quite dis- dispersed, a lot of travel.
4: JB, give us a quick lesson on the battery itself. What is the cathode comprised of? I think you hit it a little bit before. And, and if you can ballpark, like what, is the, what percentage of the battery cost does the cathode comprise?
3: Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, in this shift to electrification, you know, there, there is kind of a whole new, uh, you know, vocabulary of components and parts that I think customers and enthusiasts need to get familiar with. And it, as you said, it's kind of a battery 101 sort of <laughs> discussion. Um, but if you look inside of a lithium ion battery or, or any battery, really, it, it has, you know, three or four main parts. There's a cathode, there's an anode, a separator an electrolyte and a can, but the cathode and the anode um, do almost all the functional work. You know, they, they are what store the, uh, you know, electrons in different forms, you know, in different chemical forms. And, you know, they're also what uh, generally determine the energy density of the battery. You know, a lot of times it's power and it's safety as well. So that cathode material, the sort of half, the functional half of the battery that's called the cathode, generally makes up more than half the cost of the entire battery. It's, it's a really expensive single component. Uh, it contains all the cobalt and all the nickel and it's also where all the lithium is built into the battery when it's first made. So it, so it contains a lot of those expensive and critical metals uh, that are needed.
4: And as you, as you kind of combine those three aspects of the business into one, um, how can you address that cost through, through recycling?
1: Well,
3: it's interesting because the, the raw material cost inside of a, a lithium battery is continuing to climb. You know, as we get bigger economies of scale, as the, this whole you know, industry grows, you know, that, that percent that is just the raw material com- commodity cost is growing every single year. So it kind of sets a floor on how cheap batteries, traditional batteries using the same technology as today can, can get. And unless we find a way to, to really reduce that material cost, that fundamental material cost, um, th- there isn't a real clear path to go below a certain co- price and cost per kilowatt hour. Now, recycling you know, does have a way to do this. And instead of being one-to-one linked, you know, to needing to mine new metals and to find them geologically and, uh, you know, open new mines, Uh, all of that is, is somewhat difficult and takes time. Recycling, as you get to higher and higher percents of recycled content, can happen at lower cost and with a lot lower environmental footprint. So, you know, that does offer a pathway to really reuse those metals instead of having to, you know, Source them uh, from the Earth every single time, and that can be cheaper.
4: When you look at what you're doing with Panasonic in Kansas now, how many EVs can you power with the uh, the output from that factory?
3: Well, the the Kansas factory that Panasonic is is just breaking ground on. Um, you know, is going to be a, a huge facility. I I don't want to put uh, words in their mouth, but you know, I expect it'll probably be bigger than the Nevada factory. Um, The the Nevada Gigafactory that Panasonic and Tesla operate, you know, is close to 40 gigawatt hours per year. And, you know, of a sort of long range EV today, that's, you know, about 400,000 cars per year, maybe close to 500,000 cars per year. So, you know, this is kind of the order of magnitude that, that these factories are running at is, you know, close to a half million cars per year per, you know, really large scale gigafactory.
4: And JB, Redwood Materials uh, expects to be producing enough uh, materials to scale to 500 gigawatt hours um, by 2030, if I remember correctly. Um, is, that, is that still the kind of estimate or forecast that you have?
3: That is still our, our goal for, for the, the decade. Um, you know, we have a, a more near-term goal to, to hit 100 gigawatt hours per year of, of capacity. Um, but, but really, I mean, these numbers, you know, seem and are, you know, large in in one sense, but when you look at the scope and scale of the whole electric transition, we need to accomplish, they're, they're really not that large. In fact, they're, they're almost kind of frighteningly small, you know, 500,000 cars per year, you know, it is a lot of cars in the absolute sense, but, you know, when we consider close to a hundred million cars, you know, sold per year around the planet, know, that's a very small percentage of that. And then if you really look at the whole fleet of cars that are operating on the planet, it's a, it's an even tinier percentage of that. So, you know, we, we need to find a way, you know, as a a collective industry uh, to accelerate that transition and and to, you know, get to, you know, many terawatt hours in total of, of battery production to enable this. So, you know, for us, you know, these are some really, you know, big, hairy goals. Um, you know, I, you know, to me, it's important to, to really set meaningful targets. And, you know, this is an industry that is defined by scale at this point, you know, in order to really accomplish, you know, change and, and move to much higher market share, we all have to figure out how to operate at very large scale
1: and efficiency. So uh, I think these are appropriate targets,
3: difficult, but,
1: but appropriate. J.B. Straubel is the founder and CEO of Redwood Materials. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. They talked more about how recycling bolsters a domestic EV supply chain, and Straubel reflected on his tenure as Tesla's chief technology officer. You can hear the full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters.
2: And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast you can get the latest news on ev battery manufacturing the impact of electrification on dealers and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com come back tomorrow for my conversation with true car ceo mike
1: darrow if you enjoy the podcast remember to like leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode